Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that story. The story in John 11 as we continue through our series in John. May we have our eyes opened, may we have our hearts softened as we come to see your glory as you've given it to us. So we know you presently today because of your words to us. Amen. From the day we arrived on the planet and blinking we stepped into the sun. There's more to see than can ever be seen. There's more to do than can ever be done. Some say, eat and be eaten. Some say, live and let live. But all are agreed as they join the stampede, you should never take more than you give. You see, it's the circle of life. It's the wheel of fortune. It's the leap of faith. It's the band of hope till we find our place in the path unwinding, in the circle, the circle of life. Celebration of Simba being born at the beginning of that well-known cartoon film, and now they've made the remake in 2019. A celebration of Simba being born in The Lion King. The animal kingdom know when his father dies, they now have a king in place. The boy is born to continue the kingdom past the death of his father. That's why all the animals gather. That's why the little lion cub is lifted up high to be born, to replace the one who will die. And we do everything in the middle. From the day we arrive on the planet. But you see, this is a, the circle of life. It's the wheel of fortune. It's just how things happen. And Mufasa tells Simba, as he's a young boy, that this is what happens. People are born and people die. This is life. But we hate death. And rightly so. Inside us, there's something grotesque and horrendous about death. It offends our need for life. It offends our inwardly felt right to live. Yet a simple atheistic view of evolution explains nothing of why we feel we have this right. We should be fine with the circle of life, but it's not as pretty as the Lion King makes out. You and I have probably sat there both together sobbing at that moment that he dies. And that little lion carb takes his place as king, but doesn't. He runs. He's convinced that he can't cope with that. It's not okay to simply die. Nothing about us is okay with being born to die, although the world says that's just life. But we want to think further than that. Jesus tells us that we can think further than that. He tells us that that is not the reason we're here, just to live out our few years and do the best we can. 41,800 
41,481 deaths in the UK from COVID to date, as of yesterday. 413,000 deaths across the world because of COVID. On average, 150,000 people die every single day worldwide, not just from COVID, but from everything. 150,000 people a day. Each day, those families, those children, those parents, the friends of that person face the death of a loved one. We don't speak about death much. We talk about numbers, that's easier to cope with. We talk about injustice when people are killed, but we rarely speak about walking through death with people, facing death together. Because although we need to fight COVID to keep people alive, we need to stand up and fight injustices against people groups who are facing unjust death at the hands of evil people or crooked institutions. Yes, we do. But we will all die. We rarely talk about it. We focus on stopping death, even in the eye of wateringly emotional beginnings of films like The Lion King, we don't live with this reality. We're not okay with the circle of life. We don't live as good evolutionists. We aim to put it off. I find that for a global society that focuses on stopping death, it's fascinating. They stop it wherever possible, through medicine, through, through scientific breakthrough, through education, through ways of life that, that keep our children safe up to adulthood, through vitamins and healthy eating, through smoking reduction and weight control, we refuse to take the words and actions of Jesus seriously when he faces the death of a friend. And ultimately what he says happens past death. See, we, we spend so much time keeping ourselves alive as long as possible, looking as young as, as possible, making ourselves alive. But yet we throw out what Jesus might be saying about death. We never find ourselves as a society focusing on beating death in the final way. But Jesus does. Jesus does. He, he stares it in the face on a number of occasions. And here we see in John's Gospel, chapter 11, he does exactly that. I implore you to listen to his words. The thousands of people who have known his words to be true, whether you know them or not, they will move us and change us if we have a soft enough heart to hear them again. So read with me, chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. And so the sisters sent to Jesus and said, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But Jesus heard it. And he said, this illness doesn't lead to death. It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Mary, loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place that he was. What? That's, that's weird, Jesus. Now this is where the story 
just seems so odd. He loved Mary, he loved Martha, he loved Lazarus, and he was ill, so he stayed two days longer. If you heard a friend was ill and they called for you, what would you do? You'd go. You'd drop everything. Many of us have had to do this, to just drop what we're doing and drive. You go. You go and see them. Many can't see people at the moment. And that is horrendous, affecting our society in so many ways, affecting people's lives. It's the most unnatural thing to not go. But these guys, they can't go to hospital. They're telling Jesus because this is serious. And Jesus does something that we wouldn't. He just does nothing. He waits. Mary and Martha have called their friend, but he doesn't come to their aid. He, he's healed the sick before. They know it. But he doesn't come to their aid, those whom he loves. It's not the compassion we expect from Jesus. It's far from it. As we, deep, we dig deeper into this, we will see that this is exactly the Jesus we need. One who is willing to wait. Jesus says this illness doesn't lead to death, but it's for the glory of God. Jesus isn't just saying, it's, it's simply a cold, guys, chill out, get over it. He'll get better. He says to his disciples that Lazarus, his illness, is there to do something greater. It's happening for a reason, to bring the Son of God himself glorification through what's about to happen. Now, I want to suggest that this is love, far greater than our drop everything, get in the car and go. This is love, not as we'd expect, but as we need. It's a love that transforms and reshapes the view of death that we inherit from every human generation. And even the Lion King, it's a, it's a love that goes beyond the circle of life. It's a love that transforms and reshapes our view of life. This was a real death. This was a real loss. Mourning family, a wider community, the passage tells us, gathering around as they predict what's going to happen. They're going to lose Lazarus. And Jesus isn't there. But the real love of Jesus was to let him die. Because in letting Lazarus die, Jesus can reveal the love of God in a whole new way. He's healed the sick, he's opened the eyes of the blind, he's done extraordinary things. But in all those signs, the greatest of them is taking the culmination of all those evils away from evil. Healing the sick stops them dying. But what Jesus does here is he allows the sick to get to death. And he stands in front of that grave and does a greater sign. Taking death away from death itself by handing the dead life. So he waits two days and then he goes. Disciples are reminding Jesus that they fled from that exact place because those people there tried to kill them. Jesus waited two days. You've waited, Jesus, they say. Why bother to go now? We understand if your mate was sick, but he's two days on now. He's probably dead. Why go now? We're going to die. He didn't want to go two days ago. 
Let's not put our lives on the line now. Jesus boldly says that he's going. He's going to prioritize the one he loves, Lazarus. He's going to prioritize the glorification of the son over the threat of even dying himself. And they carry on trying to dissuade him. Well, if he's, the, if he's only fallen asleep, Jesus, he won't wake up. Let's not go. Now, Jesus has spoken of his death, verse 13, but they, they thought he meant taking rest in sleep. And so he might just wake up. Don't bother going. If you think he's asleep, fine. And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died He isn't just asleep in your eyes, he's actually dead, flat on a stone, dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. So let's go to him. He was glad. He was glad that he wasn't there when Lazarus died. What sense does that make at this stage in our passage? Well, perhaps what would be running through my mind as a disciple is that he didn't want me to see him that distressed at the the loss of his friend but it's time to mourn now that he's gone Thomas didn't care Thomas didn't think that he didn't think it was worth doing so like many of us with a stubborn friend or a partner or a child who's just got a bad idea that we disagree with they insist on doing it Thomas says fine Jesus do it you'll see let's go and we'll die with you go on Verse 17, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Jesus knew he was dead. But for four days, this guy's really dead. There's no coming back. In verse 18 onwards, we see here an interaction between Jesus and Martha. Perhaps the stereotypical Martha and Mary way of doing things, if you know the other stories. Mary remained seated in the house, mourning her brother. But Jesus was on his way. But he was too late. And Martha, when she heard Jesus was actually on his way, she ran to him. And she went, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Through what I'm assuming are tear-filled eyes. You missed it, Jesus. You do all these miracles. You heal the sick. He was your friend. He was your brother. You missed it. Note that she still calls him Lord, Master. Although Jesus is friends with this family, she knows who he is. He's not just buddies, he's Lord. She's willing to continue even in her distress with the right answer. I think probably with a level of anger, potentially through gritted teeth, she proclaims the truth. She still believes, even after this, even after all this feeling of being let down by Jesus. She says that she knows. Verse 22. Even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. He wouldn't have died if you were here, but I know the truth. I know who you are. I know that God listens. Jesus said, your brother will rise again, Martha. And Martha agrees, probably quite quietly, probably quite annoyingly. She knows the theology that she grew up with and probably doesn't help her current state of feeling. But she says, I know that he will rise again 
in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus, I know that. I know, Jesus, yeah, it's okay. He's going to get to heaven. He's in a better place, blah, blah, blah. I know the answer. I've been to Sunday school. It doesn't stop the fact that I am heart-wrenched. I have lost him and he is gone. But Jesus takes our Sunday school knowledge and he says no. Gently, he says no. Your brother will rise again. Now, I'm going to do what you know will happen one day. Yeah, he's going to get to heaven. It's going to be fine. But I'm going to bring that to life now. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Verse 25 and 26. Jesus has stepped into the mourning family and proclaimed that the resurrection that she thinks will happen on the last day, her Sunday school knowledge of religion, that one day has come into the world today. The life that she knows Lazarus will have one day has just stepped into the world. Jesus is saying that it's not simply something that will happen according to your understanding and belief but but life rising from the dead is standing in front of her i am the resurrection it's not something that will happen to him it's someone who comes to him i am the life martha i'm here now i'm the resurrection your brother's dead but i am his life believe in me and whoever believes in me though they die will live and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die Mary, Martha doesn't know this yet, but Jesus is connecting what's about to happen to Lazarus to everyone. Everyone in eternity, to you and to me. Everyone who believes and lives in Jesus will never die. Now really interestingly, I just want to zone in on one word here. The Greek word here in verse 25, believes in me, actually could be translated as into me. Giving the sense that genuine faith in Christ actually brings people into Christ. Therefore, if he is the resurrection and the life, whoever believes into him will also have his resurrection and life. Just like Jesus, we actually believe into Christ. And we take on his resurrection and his life. Believing in Christ does something. It moves our lives. It isn't just a belief system that gives us a good result at the end of life. It's an action that draws us into relationship with the promised one of God, the Messiah. With the one who is about to reveal his ultimate purpose for humanity. It's all a bit heavy for Martha. Someone who's holding back the tears. He asks her a question. It's a simple question. It's a question that he asks of me. It's a question he asks of you. Do you believe this? Well, her response was again quite Sunday school. Three point sermon. Yes, I know. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're God. And I know the prophecies that you are coming into the world. I believe you are who you say you are. When she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary. And saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling you. When she heard this, Mary got up and she went. And again, we see from Mary a more brash thing saying to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. 
But the crowd had followed her there. And when Jesus saw Mary there standing, asking that same question, saw her weeping, and the Jews who'd come with her, her community, were also weeping, he was deeply moved. In his spirit, he was greatly troubled. Jesus isn't surprised. Jesus knows what's going to happen. Jesus knows that. He was waiting for it to happen. This isn't a, this isn't a disappointment. This isn't like, oh gosh, I didn't think it was this bad. But this Jesus saw her weeping, saw the mourning of the community, and he was deeply moved in his spirit, greatly troubled. This is compassion. His gut moved with compassion and love. This is the God we know. This is the Jesus we worship. He sees us in our pain even, he, even though he knows the overarching picture. He sees us even though he knows that all will be well. He walks with us in the pain of life, the unnaturalness of loss. He joins us in being deeply moved and greatly troubled. This is the God who created your human heart, your weeping eyes. This is the God who created relationships that we lose. This is the God who created brotherhood and sisterhood, family units. This is the God who stands side by side in us as we're deeply moved by evil. This is what evil does. Evil leads to death. And it's the final blow. We will all face it. We will all rea realize our mortality because of our evil hearts. We turn to evil, evil takes us. The punishment for sin is death. The point of Jesus coming to earth was to stand up in the face of evil and invite us into his resurrection and life. This is not a God who sits on a throne and says those disgusting people can deal with their own issues. He says those disgusting people who love evil, who hate my ways, need me to come and stand with them and be deeply moved beside them. Oh, how we do. As we see the reality of life, we face all these deaths through this virus. We face deaths on the side of racial inequality across the world. We face cancer and natural disasters and old age and horrible illnesses that take our lives, take our loved ones, humble us down to the point of death. God stands there in front of that, deeply moved and greatly troubled. And I think that one of the most needed verses in the Bible, the shortest verse in our English translations, could be the end of this story. Verse 35, Jesus wept almost feels enough there's enough of a teaching there but it wasn't the end it wasn't the end see the Jews comment in verse 36 see how he loved him Jesus is standing there crying himself and, and they go wow that really shows his love for him but oh no they were wrong I'll tell you what really shows his love for him what happens next Jesus weeping at the graveside Jesus comes to the tomb. He asks the stone to be rolled away. Verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. But Martha, always being the practical one, was awoken by the ridiculous command of Christ to, to see the body. This is Israel, Jesus. This is the first century. This is a dead body. This is four days on. He will already be decomposing. And as the King James Version puts it, 
By this time, he stinketh. There will be an odor. He stinks, Jesus. By this time, it's going to be humiliating. We lost this brother, and I don't want to see him rotting. It's revolting. It's against the religious ways. It's disgusting to see. There's every reason why in normal life, Jesus is wrong to do this. But Jesus reminds Martha, believe. You will see the glory of God. You will see the heart of God. You will see the life of Christ. This is why he's bothering. This is why he waited. This is how he loves him. Not simply through weeping, but through resurrecting. This is the power of God. This is the glory of God facing the final sting of evil at the tomb, standing there. You see, death leaves us, leaves us flat on our back and breathless. But Jesus stands there and commands, rise. Rise. The dead, they stink. And spiritually, the world is dead. We're all already on that tomb. We're all already lying flat on a stone. We're all already on that conveyor belt that leads there to rotting. But through believing in Christ, we can see the glory of God stepping over death for ourselves. This is the love that he is asking us to see. This is why he is willing to wait for death to come. To reveal the glory of God in its fullness that he is willing to stand there and weep with us. Stand by these two women and call his friend out. So they took the stone away. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said to God, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. Open, public. But when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! Can you imagine the silence? Can you imagine the waiting? Can you imagine the pause? The fear? The tears? But verse 44 says so clearly, the man who had died, came out. His hands and his feet bound with strips of linen. He was actually covered in his death clothes. His face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him. Let him go. Unbind him. Friends, when we rise from the dead spiritually in this life, he unbinds us. The people around us unbind us. The church is called to develop us through the power of the Holy Spirit into real humans under Christ to look like Jesus. We are unbound. But without the call to rise, without the belief that we can have into Christ, we are bound by death in a tomb, rotting. But through Christ, Death is not the end. And like Mary and Martha, we struggle in the wait. We struggle in the tears. We struggle in understanding death. But Christ will call us out of the tomb if we believe in him. The lives we're living as Christians can look radically different because we know death is not the finale. 
We can live bold lives here. Lives that are not obstructed by the finality of the grave. It moves us to invite. It moves us to action. It moves us to tell the world who stand there weeping. It moves us to care for a world in a way that Jesus does. With weeping, with gut-wrenching compassion. To care for those facing death as Jesus did. To stand there with them. Because we are people of eternal life, not eternal death. Friends, there's no actual death for those who believe in Christ. We will face mortal death all around us. And one day we will face our own mortal death if the Lord doesn't return beforehand. But, but we will see the reality of the fallenness of humanity. We're seeing it often. Just need to watch the news. We will fall asleep as Lazarus did. And we will rise again. This is the glory of God. This is how he loves us. And now Lazarus will die again, but he and his sisters and their community have seen how much God loves them. For death is not the end spiritually when Christ is invited to your tomb. Now friends, if you don't know Jesus, come to him. Do you believe? It's so simple. Believe into Jesus. If you're on the edge of your seat, wondering if you should come, stand up and speak to him. He's there in your room. He is there with you. Through the power of the Spirit, Jesus still lives with us. It's alien. It's odd. It's unnatural, perhaps. But if you stand up and speak with Jesus, I promise you will know a difference in your life. Come and pray with us. We can talk together. Email That email that was on earlier It will come up in a second. And someone will pray with you and lead you into a relationship with God. Come on Life Explored and explore life, not death. And he will unbind you now as you step out of the grave. Just come. So for us Christians who are here, how does this actually affect us? Because we know this isn't the last resurrection that Jesus did. He had his own. And that's what we live in. We can have his, not Lazarus's, but his. What does that do for us? How does that change our view of death, our fear of what's going on? Let's stand up together and boldly, hand in hand, face life in its fullness. Let's pray. See how he loved him. Whoever believes in me shall never die. I'm the resurrection and the life, Martha. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. He was in the tomb for four days already and he stank. Lord, thank you that you're willing to stand at graves and weep. But with the truth that they are there. They are rotting. But through belief, they will rise again and be unbound. Move in our hearts. Move in our church. Move in our 
locality move in our society, move in our world, so that so many, Lord, can work through the weeping and see the joy of your resurrection. Let's worship you in spirit and truth.